0: Hi everybody! Really great to see you. I always want to shout out everybody's name, you know, like Bruce and Beverly and Michael and and X 1112 one twelve um, and Deborah. Hi Deborah. Yeah, surprise Amy, Clint, Rachel, Jonathan. I mean, I could just go on and on. Bridget. Um, just because it's it's good to see you and good to feel what happens to my heart when I see everybody here because there's something so beautiful about Sangha and it's never the same twice here. Like I don't know who's going to be here, who's going to, you know, even people tell me they're going to be here and then they're not here and people don't tell me they're going to be here and then they show up who I haven't seen in years. For those of you who don't know, Deborah Coffin, her home was the first place that San Francisco Insight met some 30 years ago. And, uh, you know, she's still coming around. I mean, we must be doing something okay. And, uh, yeah, so uh, so really good to see you. And I'm going to give a talk. I think I titled the talk Surrender to Change, um, partly because that's what's happening here i just moved which is by why things are kind of chaotic here why i, I didn't even have, i don't i know i brought a bell i know i pulled it out i don't know where i put it because we just moved yesterday so everything has changed you know my inner interior world my home has changed this is the new home that we have it's a beautiful home it's great but but I don't know where everything is or how to turn on every light or with, you know, how do you turn the heat on and off and things like that. And so I thought I would talk. Who was that? <laughs> Somebody's making some sound. You can mute yourself. It's very helpful. And then you can change it later when you want to speak. Um, So I thought I would talk about what does it mean to surrender to change, you know, and what changes and what doesn't. And surrender means to cease to resist, cease to resist. And it's a beautiful understanding of our practice and what we learn how to do in meditation. We learn how to cease to resist the moment, but to open to it, to become aware of it, to wake up to it, and then to respond to it with all our capacities. Whether we want to change things or not, to begin with, all change starts with opening to what's actually here. And of course, the, the word that's used in Buddhism about change is impermanence right impermanence is, means to not be permanent and that the word is actually anicca which means impermanence or is translated as impermanence and and it's translated got other names that are used uh, impermanence change evanescence, which is a beautiful word, very sensual kind of fabric of reality. The evanescence of reality is always changing, the fluidity of reality. Uh, Ajahn Thomaserro always talked about anicca as it means inconstant, that nothing is constant. It's all changing. And it's true not only Um, in the meditation, but it's true in every part of our experience. And it's one of the hardest things to really come into harmony with, Uh, uh, the fact that everything changes and everything is inconsistent, as he says, or everything is fluid. Um, And that all things, body, heart, mind, bigger reality, everything is in a continuous state of change, all subject to rising, appearing for a moment or a while, and then changing. And so the recognition of the universality of this, we see it in our lives, right, like we're and then we're children, and then we're young, and then we mature, and then we get old, and then we get older. And if we happen to still be here, we even keep getting older and older. You know, it has all its pluses and minuses because it's all impermanent. Body, the heart, the feelings, the thoughts, everything keeps changing, right? And recognizing this universality that comes with childhood maturity and old age, and all the thoughts and feelings coming into being and dissolving that what that allows for it to happen what allows to happen is that anicca characterizes everything and this understanding of anicca, of impermanence of change is considered the first step in the in the movement in the steps to awakening and it's It's valued so much in Buddhism, impermanence, change, transience. And I've tried to ask you to watch it in your meditation with your breath, with your thoughts, with your feelings, with the sounds, with the temperature of the body, whatever it is. And there's a beautiful chant that, is, is uh, part of this teaching. It's anicca wata sankara And the words are anicca wata Sankara upadwa uh, ya wa, um, Wayo dhamano upakita wa nirajanti te wupasamo suko And the chant, and we'll play it a little later, but it means all conditioned things are impermanent. And of course, everything that I've been mentioning is all conditioned. Our bodies, our hearts, our minds, it's all conditioned. And that's not a bad thing. It's just the way things are. It's the truth of the way things are. It's the Dharma of the way things are. Remember, Dharma means truth. So all conditioned things are impermanent. Their nature is to rise and pass away to live in harmony with this truth brings the highest happiness. And we'll see what we can discover about the potential to come into harmony with this, what, what in Buddhism is called the highest happiness. And it's a very, we're in a very interesting time at this period of reality. I I was reflecting as I was thinking about the talk about the last three years, just the last three years since COVID-19 showed up. Like, did anybody have any idea COVID-19 was gonna come? Uh, I didn't. I didn't even have a clue we could have anything like that, even though something similar had happened 100 years ago with the influenza that came to America and maybe other countries because it happened then and there was some very similar um, um, experience but we didn't know about it I didn't know about it and wasn't tuned into that reality and COVID showed up it was like I didn't even believe it at first I was like no no they're making it up I was like you know show me and then it started showing us it was a real thing and then of course one of the big um, experiences that's been happening longer than three years, but keeps getting highlighted as climate change. The climate's changed, and have, of course, you've all noticed the weather is just wild these days. We have these atmospheric rivers in this uh, in in the drought of California in the middle of the drought, which we've had four years of drought, and now we have at- atmospheric rivers pouring rain down and and supposedly taking us out of the drought, and maybe that's true, but it's quite severe change. And, And I could just keep mentioning a lot of difficulties of things that have changed, some of which have been changing forever, like the wars. That happen all over the earth and are still happening, you know, in the, with Russia and the Ukraine and elsewhere in, in Africa and Asia and different parts of the world, and the, and in this country, the the um, the incredible fueling of contentiousness and divisiveness in the political world here in America, or or in the greater world the the movement towards dictatorship as a way to deal with change that people don't want to be happening it's a reaction against change the the dictator will make it all right they'll do it all one way and make everybody who likes the dictator happy and the other people we've had enough of them and uh yeah i've I've, Personally, this is just my personal political opinion, but I've been amazed to watch the movement towards a kind of dictatorship happening in Israel with uh, the new government that is so extreme that they're trying to get basically get rid of their Supreme Court or control it. And it's similar to the kind of divisiveness that has been part of our country that is all over the world now. And in Technology, the change that's happened with this um, AI intelligence right artificial intelligence and the magic of it and the mystery of it and the goodness of it and the difficulty of it because both are true and I've read a couple articles recently about how it's going to change our whole world totally artificial intelligence, like there was some article, I can't remember the exact details, but it was like AI was going to tell us how to um, uh, do something in 400 years, excuse me, 400 words, how to do something. You do this, 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 and this is why it's happening. And, and And then it got instructed to say it in 200 words, and it could do that. And then it got instructed to do the same instruction in Spanish, and then in in Arabic, and then in Japanese, and it could do it like that, like that. And it doesn't have the intelligence of a human being to take in all the consideration about what's going to happen when information is able to be given that quickly in that many different languages like that. But it's still part of our reality that we're going to live with, and it hopefully could do good things that really help us understand more about reality so we can function more intelligently, more creatively, and more kindly. And we'll see. And then there are just so many different things, I mean, even electric cars. You, you all know that I grew up in Detroit like Bruce Ackley did, and we grew up, weird that we were the car world. And of course, the car world is electric now, which is a whole new world, which came from really Elon Musk, who many people don't like, and there may be good reason for that but he was quite brilliant about electric cars. And now we're, we're the new world is gonna be all electric cars. I don't know when they're saying you have to have them in California, but in the next number of years, we're all gonna be driving electric cars because that's a really helpful thing for the environment. Or the, the reaction of young people to the climate and the climate revolution of Greta Sundberg and what, what's possible for us as young people get more involved in politics and in in the in the world and in life that way. And so I'm just describing different change that happens, different ways impermanence happens, both good and bad, because it challenges impermanence challenges our attachment to the permanent it challenges our attachment to the permanent and it can be really disconcerting disorienting can conflict with our imagined experience of what's supposed to be permanent or continue or not you know and you can reflect for yourself what do you, what do you want to be permanent if anything I mean, there's only one thing comes to my mind about that, which is really, I'd like the warriors to always win. That's my big thing, right? but and I can say that easily because it's meaningless, right? But in terms of the most meaningful things, you know i you know i'd I'd love for my family to live forever. i I would love that, but I don't expect it. I don't expect permanence because it's not the way reality is. Reality arises, appears for a while, and changes, and and ceases also. And so if you reflect on what do you expect or want to be permanent, then you also wanna consider what happens when you see no conditioned things, no conditioned experience is permanent and what keeps you from opening or surrendering or letting go to this truth, which the Buddha said led to freedom, led to true freedom. And I mean, the, the teaching of change, of anicca, of, of transience is right here is right here where you're sitting, right? We all have an identity, and even our identities change, right? I mean, mine has many times. I mean, maybe I'll back up first. What changes is size, shape, skin, hair, like, dislike. That all changes for each of us. And where we live changes as it has for me now. I lived 20 years in one place, great place, really good, gone. I went back there last night, Pam and I went back together and we went through and Grover too, the dog went too. And he's like, "What, what are we doing here? This is not my house, right? That's what he said. And then we went back to the old house and everything is gone. And we were just making sure everything got taken or put away and, and it was like, oh, this is, this is gone. This is, this is not my house anymore. And it's not, it's, we haven't sold it yet, but we will. And uh, if anybody's interested, let me know. <laughs> but, but, uh, but really, it, you know, it, it's over. That part of a Nietzsche, things change. Right, so where we live, work, where we play. And then personally, you know, I've had many different lives. I've said this before I've done, I had a life as a hippie in street theater, as a musician in San Francisco, as a therapist, as a teacher here with SFI. And even SFI is changing. And some of you know this, some of you don't know, but SFI is going to. Was is going to um, coalesce with other San Francisco Insight Sanghas that are led by Spirit Rock teachers, and so we're we're trying we're going to bring all the Insight uh, meditation communities in San Francisco together, and with the six different teachers who have been come together to create the uh, Insight Dharma Center, and we're part of that. And the teachers are myself and Pam here from SF Insight and Howie Cohn from Mission Dharma, who's been teaching in San Francisco longer than I have, 40 years or something. And John Martin of Insight, uh, uh, Insight Upper Market and Victoria Carey of the San Francisco BIPOC Insight Community and Anushka Fernando-Pole of insta Sangha and in, and she's had both a location and now she's online and we want to we wanted to come together to really strengthen the inside community in San Francisco by uniting our efforts in one place and it means for all the sangas including ours we will continue to have our own weekly sit and separate identity and yet, we'll be part of a bigger group where there'll be bigger groups on the same website every day, every week. and And there's a lot be a lot of different possibilities for sits and classes and different events, both individually and together. And um, right originally we'll, we have a website that will be open. And then the goal is to have a physical space in San Francisco. And there'll be a lot more programming and day longs and classes and service opportunities together to impact San Francisco and the wider world. And then what the next thing that's going to happen is June 17th. So put that in on your calendars. Saturday, June 17th, we're going to have an event for all the sanghas together. And that will be online, but that will be the first thing. Actually, I'm not sure if it's online or, or um, live or both. So that's still being clarified. And uh, yeah. And there's a lot more to say about that, but I'm not going to do that now. Uh, I want to just continue a little more about the talk. Um, So how to come into harmony with change, how to really surrender to change and come into harmony with impermanence, with this truth that we all know is true. And it's really about letting go or unplugging from our assumptions and from our habits and and from the way we, we expect things to be the same because nothing stays the same, right? And it means not taking anything for granted, but actually appreciating enjoying, delighting, the lighting, uh, um, the moment, this moment of being alive, because this is the only moment there actually is. And I say this over and over and over again, because it's so hard to live that truth because we go to our minds and the past and the future and what could be and what should be and what, but actually we lose the, the life of this moment, the aliveness and the, and the magic and mystery of being alive. Hmm. Suzuki Roshi said that when he discovered no moment could be repeated he was awakened when he discovered no moment could be repeated, he was awakened. And so we're all learning to try to come into harmony with this truth. And I think about it in so many different ways. I, we had a friend over helping us unpack yesterday who'd had a really, created a really good family, had a partner and children, and uh, and at some point something happened. We're still not clear, and she's not clear. We're not clear because we knew the whole. We know the whole family. Something happened with her husband, and he just left basically. And it wasn't clear why or what happened, but he was gone. And then and um, and um, and he stopped relating not just to her, but to her, to the kids. And it was just horrible, horrible, horrible. And she kept thinking it's her fault. And she realized it wasn't her fault. Something's wrong with him, but we don't know what it is. And, but it's not like he's just um, uh, mentally ill and can't function, he's functioning. He's even got remarried now, but he doesn't really relate to his children. And, and there's no clarity about what actually happened but something happened because change happens and we're not in control of it. And she kept feeling like it was her fault. And then she said, well, who am I if it's not my fault? And that was even a bigger opening for her, the impermanence of the usual identity to make things her fault. Mm. And so there's something about coming into harmony with the waves are, which is coming into harmony with a bigger reality that's right here in the moment, and it's the doorway to classical mysticism, right? That everything is a oneness, even even when there's the uniqueness of each moment, it's part of a bigger oneness, and the great the great poet Rumi said, leave the circle of time and join the circle of love. Leave the circle of time and join the circle of love. And it's really about the magic of being and being everything appearing and disappearing on its own. And I'll read you a little quote from my, one of my teachers, Hamid Ali who said, as we realize that the form of the universe is in constant change, the form of the universe is in constant change, one of the main insights of all spiritual work arises. We understand that holding on to things, not wanting things to change, is a major source of suffering. From the perspective of the totality, change is neither bad nor good. From the perspective of our separate entityhood, we consider certain changes good and others bad. We call some of them death and some life, some pleasure and some pain. That, this perspective necessarily and always involves suffering because it ignores the truth of the constant transformation of the totality. And I appreciate what Hamid said. The only disagreement I have is that I like to say they're both true. The individual reality is true. There is good and bad, right or wrong, liking and not liking. That's true. And there is also a bigger reality where it's all, there's a bigger understanding. All of reality is unfolding on its own, doing itself, and it's all one thing and coming into harmony with impermanence is coming into the harmony with the unity of reality. And it's really the paradox of duality and non-duality, right? Oneness doesn't stay the same moment by moment. And how do billiard billiard balls move if they're one thing? But they move, if you hit them, if you point the cue and you hit the ball, it moves. But it's all one thing is happening together. In, in Sufism, there's uh, one of the teachers, Ibn Arabi, he calls creation the breath of the merciful, the breath of the merciful. The appearing and disappearing is the inhale and exhale of the merciful. You are born constantly. So change, action, movement, transformation appear within the oneness of reality. It's a dynamic morphing as the unified field or fabric. And it's just like our bodies, right? Our bodies are one thing. Eugene is here, Miru is here, Sarah is here, Marsh is here, Heather is here. You can feel your body, it's right here. And it's made up of atoms, molecules, pattern that, that continue a slightly different moment by moment as a pattern to the change. And, but it's moving and changing. And it's like the TV, we see the picture of a TV or movie and it looks great, we see a great movie, whatever it might be. Uh, There's a really great um, documentary called Fire of Love. Check it out. It's about volcanists who love volcanoes and study volcanoes and you watch one and they get really close while they're erupting. And it's just wild to see what the earth is doing, changing all the time. And so watching that was great, but we don't see that it's all made of pixels, right? There really, there was no volcano, there was no people, there was no uh, eruption, but it looked good. <laughs> and it, and it, it was real on that level, but it was also real that it's all just pixels arising and, and changing. And I'll end with a little quote from the Dhammapada. And the the Dhammapada is one of the first books of Buddhist teachings that was ever compiled. And in the Dhammapada, it said, when those who are wise dwell in contemplation on the transient nature of the body, heart, mind, and of all conditioned existence, When those who are wise dwell in contemplation on the transient nature of the body, heart, mind, and all conditioned existence, they experience joy and delight, seeing through to the inherently secure. I'm going to stop there. Thank you for listening.